Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, today, we're gonna to take a look at the forecast that we just posted here on September 14th. Um, Tori Alden is with us. He is our senior analyst for uh, vegetable oil, seed oils. And Tori is gonna to take us through his updates to the forecast. And if you have any questions that you need to have answered, uh, go ahead and just drop them in the Q&A section and we'll get back to you on them as soon as Tori's done his presentation. So Tori, take it from here. All right, thank you, George, and thanks everybody for attending. Um, last week, we got a bunch of data. We got uh, monthly data from the Malaysian Palm Oil Board and um, perhaps more importantly for uh, the U.S. market from USDA in their uh, monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report. So today we're going to run through that really quickly and then talk a little bit about what's going on and what's driving uh, the veg oils markets. All right, so for the USDA report, uh, USDA didn't really make any significant changes to its 2021 balance sheets. All of the changes really were in, in 1920. Um, and with just a basically a month, little a, a month of data, a little bit less than a month in in real time left in the 1920 marketing year, a lot of these changes are just sort of truing up to where truing up the annual numbers to where the 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 11 months of data that we've gotten so far suggest uh, things need to be. And so the biggest changes probably were. Uh, the increase in non-biodiesel usage, which USDA raised 300 million pounds, that that increase took them about that much above where uh, where we are. The data has has been, you know, that series is is sort of no, notoriously volatile, and so I don't know that the data necessarily supports that uh, that increase, but USDA has done it. They also raised non or biodiesel usage 150 million pounds on the back of, of record soybean oil usage and biodiesel production the last couple months that we've gotten from the EIA. And that's basically in line with, uh, with where we are. They offset those increases with a decrease in, in exports and in that export number, I think exports are probably gonna finish somewhere between their number and our number and an increase in production due to another increase in their uh, soybean crush forecast. The result of all those changes was a pretty significant 200 million pound reduction or a little bit more than 200 million pound reduction in, uh, in 1920 ending stocks. And that decline drops the forecasted ending stocks below sort of the psychologically important two billion pound level. That's kind of the, the line of demarcation for uh, bullish and, and bearish veg oils outlooks uh, for soybean oil. And so you've gotten a response in, in soybean oil prices and in veg oil prices really around the world uh, in part due to their drop of, of uh, ending stocks below that number. Their forecast is a, is a little bit below ours for, for 1920, in part because of the, the larger uh, non-biodiesel forecast. 
Um, but we wouldn't be surprised again if if the the final number comes in sort of somewhere between their number and, and our number. But it looks like it's not going to be above two billion pounds. If you remember all the way back to the beginning of the marketing year around this time of the year last year, uh, USDA and the Jacobson and really all analysts had uh, stocks that were actually below this level um, in that contributed to some of the early strength in, in soybean oil prices that we saw earlier this year. Of course, with the, um, the pandemic, expectations started to rise for stocks and we got back above that 200 billion pound level or 2 billion pound level. And, um, and now we're coming back down in part because of the, again, the strength in soybean oil usage and in biodiesel production. The smaller carry-in or beginning stocks really just fell right to the ending stocks number for 2021 and that also dropped that one below the the two billion mark and so that suggests that uh even with the rally that we've seen in in world vegetable oil prices that um that prices probably remain fairly well supported uh, I think at least through the end of the year and potentially into um, early next year. Of course, a lot of the direction will depend on what's going on in the in the Chinese market and in Chinese buying. A lot of the recent rally has been driven by a shortage in the Chinese vegetable oils balance sheet and their purchase of, they made a, a big purchase of soybean oil from Brazil. Uh, about six weeks ago now and have essentially left Brazil between the soybeans that Brazil exported to China and their purchase of soybean oil. They left Brazil in a in a relatively tight situation in terms of, of soybean oil at a time when Brazil is trying to raise the mandate for their biodiesel program. And so that's the kind of impact that the Chinese buying can have. And, and everybody's just kind of sitting around wondering when the next shoe drops. The Chinese government has talked about building um, their veg oil reserves. And so that has analysts kind of wondering, okay, are they going to purchase soybean oil from the US, which is probably unlikely? Are they gonna purchase soybean oil from Argentina? That's probably relatively more likely or, sunflower oil from Ukraine. Um, we don't really have a, a great grasp on, on exactly what they're going to do. We just know that that hole, that hole is there and, and they're going to need to fill it at, um, at some point. Uh, in canola oil, uh, typically, again, USDA doesn't make a lot of substantial changes in their canola oil balance sheet they ch on a month-to-month -month basis. They, they have an update that they do uh, once a year uh, when they put out a, sort of their annual summary of, of vegetable oil fundamental data. And, and that's when they sort of set their, their mark for the next year. And then they, unless things, unless something like COVID happens, they typically don't make big changes in their forecast going forward. Um, and this month kind of held true to that. Again, sort of the same kind of disclaimer for 1920 that uh, these changes are generally forced by the fact that we've gotten basically 11 months worth of data and have one more month left in the marketing year. And so they're just kind of truing up their annual forecast numbers to uh, what the historical data has shown. 
but a little bit stronger crush um, and a little bit higher exports. Both of those are generally in line with, with what we thought. Um, and that kind of uh, raised their ending stocks just a little bit. They're a little bit above where we are for 1920. Um, and then again, that increase in, in ending stocks carried over and most of it fell to uh, their 2021 ending stocks forecast, which rose up to 165 million pounds. That's a bit below where we are. We're at 231, in part because of a difference of opinion on, on non-biodiesel usage. Uh, certainly, canola oil demand is, is strong. I think USDA probably sees a little bit faster recovery in the economy than we're projecting, and that probably accounts for the difference in, in their outlook for 2021 non-biodiesel usage. Um, Canola oil has also been sort of drafted into uh, the biodiesel industry just kind of by default because of the reduction in supply in, in corn oil due to slowing ethanol production and the slowdown in slaughter rates for, um, for beef and pork, which have reduced supplies of tallow and, and white grease. And then of course the reduction in used cooking oil as, as a result of the shutdowns of all the restaurants. And so that doesn't really leave a lot of choices. Canola oil is, is sort of one of the last choices for biodiesel producers because it's relatively expensive compared to other feedstocks. Um, and so you kind of have this situation where uh, right now canola oil is being used more for biodiesel, I think, on a, on a marginal basis than it is in the in the food industry, um, that probably reverses a little bit here over the next six months or, or year, however long it takes things to sort of get back to normal. Um, but then the question is, once that demand goes away, does the price fall enough that it sort of stimulates demand on the, on the food side? And, and I'm not really sure that that's quite where we're at just yet. For the uh, Canadian balance sheet, uh, USDA made more changes, but all relatively small. Uh, they raised their, uh, their import number for Canada slightly, um, but they more than offset that with an increase in, in exports. Part of that export demand is, is from the US. And then uh, part of it, oddly enough, is, is from China, who continues to ex import canola oil from Canada despite the political tensions between the two countries. They also continue to import canola seed from Canada, just neither at, at levels that we saw um, before they, they had these rising tensions. Anyway, that reduced USDA's uh, 1920 ending stocks forecast slightly. USDA, I think, uses a different series than, than we use to project ending stocks. So there's quite a bit of difference between their ending stocks forecast and our ending stocks forecast. In the end, they're both ultimately measuring the same thing, but we rely on um, the Canadian Canola Council numbers for the numbers that we are ultimately trying to project and then what we sort of true up to it at the end of the year, what we assume are, are the ending stocks at the end of the year. But that's why on a relative basis, USDA's numbers look much more bearish than our numbers. 
Um, but I think if you look at the trends from 1920 to 2021, that's probably the more important thing to, thing to focus on. And both USDA and the Jacobson think that uh, canola oil stocks in Canada are going to get tighter. Part of that is because uh, canola oil seed uh, stocks are going to get relatively tighter. Um, and part of that is because of an assumption that uh, USDA and the Jacobson share, which is that the canola seed crush in Canada probably slows down a little bit. I think we've talked about that a little bit before. From 1920, Canadian canola crush was at a record level and, and smashed the old records. And so the big question going forward is, will crush remain at that elevated level, which is like 10.1 million tons, and the, the prior record was like 9.2, or will the crushing volumes fall down a little bit um, back towards 9.5 or 9.75 or maybe even 9.25? Uh, we are, I think, a little bit above where uh, USDA is on on crush, although our, our production numbers are relatively similar. Um, but there is every possibility that that crush could be stronger, particularly if demand in North America remains strong. So if not only uh, the biodiesel demand, but demand from the food industry continues to remain as strong as it has, Canadian exports will remain relatively strong and the crush will probably exceed both our and USDA's projections. All right, on to palm oil. So for palm oil, the more important report for the market is the Malaysian Palm Oil Board report. That came out Thursday night um, and generally was surprising because everybody, myself included, expected a build in stocks of, of on some level of 5%. Uh, I think we were up maybe 10% from um, sort of three-year lows in, uh, in July and that just didn't happen. So stocks came in essentially flat month over month in part because production has been, was a little bit lower and uh, because exports were a little bit stronger. The production question remains a, one of the biggest questions for the palm oil marketplace right now. Um, you have the impact of COVID, obviously, uh, a lot of the workers in Malaysian plantations are migrant workers and Malaysia is effectively, like many countries, closed its borders. And so there is some level of, of labor shortage and there are reports that uh, Malaysian plantations are reaching out to um, to everybody and anybody they can to come harvest the palm uh, trees to produce palm oil without a, without a lot of luck. Um, it would be a bit like sort of if there was a, a lettuce shortage and, and producers started to advertise for going out and harvesting lettuce. It's hard work, it's hot, and the pay is not, not fantastic. So it can be tough to find people. Still, uh, production probably continues to increase along a seasonal pace uh, as we go forward. And if we get a, if, if exports don't remain sort of at the same level that we saw in August, you probably have a, a build in stocks. Now, 
cargo surveyor data suggested that exports during the first 10 days of September were up about 10% relative to the same period uh, last month. And so exports probably will remain relatively uh, strong over the balance of, of the month. You have the uh, big Indian holiday coming up. And so there's potentially a little bit of, of restocking ahead of that. Um, and you also have this, this potential Chinese demand um, all of that is is helping support palm oil prices and then the the spread between palm oil and, and soybean oil, which has remained relatively tight, continues to support the idea that uh, U.S. soybean oil exports will remain at, at relatively robust levels. USDA and, and the Jacobson both think that exports fall year over year. But we both came into last year thinking that exports were going to be sort of below 2 billion pounds and they are going to finish at 2.7 or 2.8. And so if we don't have this dynamic change in the, in the spread between soybean oil and palm oil, you probably have a situation where, much like this year, we, everybody is just raising their, their expectations for soybean oil exports as we go forward. Um, USDA's changes, the USDA report is, is again, relatively less important than the Palm Oil Board report, but the USDA report does provide some uh, forward-looking numbers, and so from that perspective, it's pretty useful. Uh, again, for 1920, USDA is basically truing up their forecast to, based on all of the historical data, our biggest disagreement with them uh, on the 1920 balance sheets is, is in exports, which I think they're going to have to raise in the next uh, in their next report. I'm really surprised that they didn't raise exports more in this report. If you just look at uh, not only the cargo surveyor data, but just the the exports over the first 11 months of the marketing year, it suggests that uh, USDA's numbers suggest like a 50% decrease month over month in exports, which again, based on the cargo surveyor data, doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Those changes reduced uh, palm oil ending stocks um, a little bit and that carried over and then fell into the uh, 2021 ending stocks. We think that palm oil stocks probably build year over year. USDA has a slight reduction. That's one of the biggest questions uh, for veg oils in part because of this dynamic of the, the difference between the price of palm oil and soybean oil and the impact that that'll have on, on US soybean oil exports. If we are off and, um, and we drop our ending stocks forecast as we go through the year, again, probably soybean oil exports will be stronger than we're projecting and US soybean oil stocks will probably be tighter than, than we're projecting. All right, that's it kind of for the for the report and the data. Um, really, like I said, kind of the Chinese buyers remain in charge of, of the veg oils market. And that's the thing that everybody's really watching to try and determine how long this rally can, can last. Uh, I think between that and sort of the recovery from the pandemic, those two things are probably the most important things in determining the direction for vegetable oil prices generally and soybean oil prices specifically. Um, as long as, as there's concerns that China can uh, come and buy up a bunch of the world's vegetable oil supplies, prices are probably going to remain well supported. 
the one break that we potentially have probably occurs um, next March or February when palm oil production bottoms out seasonally and then starts to build again if that starts to raise people's expectations for palm oil ending stocks and starts to actually build palm oil inventories then i think that's probably the point where um where prices can break before that uh i think that prices probably remain pretty well supported we have soy the soybean oil forecast as you can see on the screen breaks a little bit before that that's in part because of potential pressure from the brazilian crop brazil's expected to raise a, a record soybean crop in the upcoming year however that crop is is sort of you know just in its in its fairly early stages or not even planted yet and so uh with la nina there's some potential risk there and that might extend that rally a little bit longer Okay, with that said, I will open it up for questions. All right, thanks, Tori. Um, first question that we have, and if anyone has additional questions, we only have a handful here. If you have more questions, drop them in the Q&A. Um, how long do you think the record demand for soybean oil from the biodiesel industry will last? Uh, I think it's a little tough to predict because part of it is um, – is this reduction in ethanol demand so gas overall gasoline demand and um in slaughter i think the slaughter part probably comes back faster than uh ethanol i think there's probably been a shift in u.s gasoline demand that is permanent due to the fact that um, more people have figured out that they can work from home and so probably are not going to go back to uh, to working in an office ever, even after the pandemic is over. The big question there is, is what does that do to gasoline demand? So is that a, a 2% cut in, in gasoline demand or is that a 10% um, cut? And I think it's a little early to know yet. I think that uh, you probably have maybe a, I don't know, a 5% cut just to sort of put a number on it. And then the question becomes, um, okay, what does that do to the corn oil supply, the distillers corn oil supply? Obviously it'll be smaller and soybean oil is the most likely candidate to replace that. If you get a situation where slaughter comes back a little bit faster than expected, um, there may be some offset there and that may help reduce the demand for uh, for soybean oil. But I think it's probably going to be with us for the, at least the next three to six months and, and potentially longer. Okay. Um, another question here. Do you feel the Chinese veg oil prices are still inflated? Yeah, they are. Um, they have over the last two weeks, they've kind of traded a little bit sideways. They went down a little bit and then they've come back to uh, the recent highs and have kind of gone a little sideways from there. Um, on Monday, they probably went up a little bit more. World vegetable oil prices rallied uh, relatively sharply on the back of the um, MPOB, the the bullish MPOB report and USDA reports. Um, and so the cash prices tend to follow. Sometimes they follow, sometimes not quite. Like if you look at Canadian canola oil, 
it ramped up, but it's been trading essentially sideways for the last two weeks, despite the moves in, in soybean oil and palm oil. And so the, the Chinese cash prices are a little bit like that and kind of look like that. They came down a little bit more than uh, Canadian canola oil, but they haven't been able to really significantly breach those uh, the late August, early September highs. Um, but that's definitely the thing that uh, that we're watching to try to gauge the trend for uh, soybean oil futures and, and soybean oil cash prices in the U.S. Oddly enough, that's that's really the thing that's driving the whole market. Um, what are your thoughts of the NOPA report? Uh, the NOPA report just came out um, at noon. Crush was a little bit below market expectations. It was in line with, with our expectations. Um, veg oil stocks were generally in line with market expectations, but were below our expectations. So uh, after, after this is done, I actually am going to go through and, and sort of put run that new data through the uh, through our spreadsheets and given the relatively lower um, stocks number it may imply that uh, USDA is correct and I've got to raise my non-biodiesel usage forecast up um, even at, at that I think it was I think stocks were about 150 million pounds below our expectations that's about 70 percent of of the industry-wide stocks and so I guess that would imply maybe about a 200 million pound increase um, in total demand and then some portion of that falls to uh, non-biodiesel usage we've got relatively robust uh, soybean oil usage in in biodiesel production forecast so maybe it results ultimately in an increase in non-biodiesel usage of 150 million pounds from from our perspective um, but i think the the key takeaway is really that uh, soybean oil demand, whether it's biodiesel or non-biodiesel, remains relatively strong. And again, that's that's part of what's supporting this rally. And as long as that continues, uh, it's going to be hard for prices to come down in any meaningful way. All right. Well, Tori, that's all the questions we have. Uh, to the attendees, thanks for uh, listening to the presentation and uh, giving your questions. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks again, Tori. Thanks, everybody.